the entire ambition level of EU climate policy increased. And if you now start extrapolating, we would reach this zero level in the emissions trading system by 2039 already, uh, which really is very quick. And you could say even more rapidly than the general climate neutrality or net zero target for 2050. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Milan Elkerbaut from the Center for European Policy Studies, CEPS. Milan works as a research fellow and head of the Climate Policy Program. His research focuses on EU climate policy and in particular the EU emissions trading system, the EU ETS. We are with him today to better understand the role that the European carbon market will play to support the EU in becoming carbon neutral by 2050. Will the EU ETS remain the cornerstone of the European climate policy? Can it play a role in improving acceptability of carbon prices? In that regard, some amendments to the functioning of the EU ETS are featured in the final text of the Fit for 55 packages, package aiming at delivering the European Green Deal. Milan, thank you for being with us for this episode of Spot on Climate. Thanks, uh, Albert. The EU ETS has, um, has evolved significantly over time. And with the new ambition of the European Commission and the recently adopted text, it has continued evolving uh, also to face the energy crisis we're in. So in your opinion, what are the most significant changes in the EU ETS following the recent adoption of the Fit for 55 proposals? Uh, Sure. Maybe the most significant thing is that the overall design of the system is not radically changed. And that has been different in the past especially around 2012, 13, uh, and again in 2017, when there really were structural reforms to the system and how things were allocated. There still are plenty of changes now, but they really relate first and foremost to the ambition level that EU climate policy has in general. And we want to reflect that in the cap uh, of the system. It's a cap and trade system. Uh, and also in the scope uh, with regard to the number of sectors it applies to. Um, It will apply also to some maritime emissions, to ships, uh, and there is a uh, a new ETS even, the ETS2, which will apply to road transport uh, buildings uh, and some of the fuels used in smaller industries. Maybe a a bit of detail then um, on uh, the cap of the system before this um, yeah and this deal was struck around Christmas uh, the, we were still operating under uh, the old EU climate targets which started as uh, a 40 percent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions um, by 2005 which for the ETS was a little bit higher because ETS sectors are always expected to do um, a little bit more than non-ETS sectors. Um, And if you would have just extrapolated the trajectory of how the cap would evolve, we would have hit zero after uh, 2057. 
uh, and with the new uh, rules in place, this is a much more ambitious trajectory because with the fit for 55 package of um, uh, that was announced by the commission um, in 2021, um, yeah, the entire ambition level of EU climate policy increased. And if you now start extrapolating, we would reach this zero level in the emissions trading system by 2039 already, uh, which really is very quick. And you could say even more rapidly than the general climate neutrality or net zero target for 2050. This doesn't mean that all ETS emissions will have disappeared uh, by 2039. That's in a way impossible, but it does mean that we will probably not have new allowances uh, being issued, or at least that um, the trajectory of the cap will need to be renegotiated at some time in the 2030s. But for up to now, there is a very strong signal to decarbonize rapidly also in the energy intensive sectors. Thank you, Milan. Uh, I completely yeah agree on on that that this recent reform has confirmed the cap in the at least confirmed the design and the fundamental of the UTS and that's um, a very positive answer also for the market itself. Now, one aspect that you mentioned is uh, uh, linked to the you mentioned the UTS two that will cover road transport and building. Some argue that this transition carbon market system from an industrial sector to sectors that are more household sectors, let's say. And with this question, with this question, there's a growing concern over the acceptability of carbon prices. This has been even exacerbated by the tension over energy security in Europe. Do you think the EU ETS can play any role in it? To what extent can the EU rely on carbon revenues to tackle this issue of acceptability and distributional impact? Maybe the first thing to note is that even with a lot of shocking events and political volatility, um, the last three years in particular, um, the EU legislators still managed to agree on this uh, revision of the system. So pandemic, energy crisis, uh, war in Europe, um, it did not change the fact that a very ambitious uh, carbon market reform uh, has been adopted. I think that's a strong signal. Um, You mentioned ETS2 specifically. Um, We should maybe emphasize that even though it's part of the same legislation, they will operate as separate systems. And the concerns about the distributional impact, the costs for households uh, definitely plays a role in that. Um, On the other hand, if you see it more from the perspective of what is a good climate policy, I never think the mere differences between sectors is a strong argument for not having Uh, the same type of policy apply because it's the differences between the sectors that allows you to cost-effectively do price discovery for where you can abate most efficiently in a given time horizon. 
and the differences between a very large power plant somewhere in, in Poland or the Ruhrgebiet and a tiny ceramics manufacturer in uh, northern Italy are also enormous. So why would adding yeah, a fuel distributor, which are major energy companies, suddenly um, be impossible? Um, then on the question of um, yeah, the social impacts, um, the carbon price is a lot higher now it reached 100 euros per ton recently um, but this also means that the revenues from member states um, have increased significantly one downside to this um, uh, or not to the higher price but to thinking that you can use these revenues for compensation is that there are already a great list of things which you ideally spend these uh, these auction revenues on uh, you can yeah, just use it to give subsidies for renewables, uh, for climate finance in developing countries, for adaptation, for other innovation purposes. It really is a long list. It's even mentioned in the ETS directive. And yeah, uh, you might not um, have that much left over. On the other hand, I mean, money is money. It's yeah, fungible. And it just means additional revenues for um, uh, yeah, for the member state governments. Uh, another very important thing to keep in mind is that while yeah, we certainly as consumers, as households, pay a little bit more for electricity due to a high carbon price, it pales in significance when you compare it to the impact of uh, the very high gas prices we had especially in uh, in 2022 so the cost of uh, fossil fuel energy really was the main component not the carbon price even if it increased uh, and then yeah for the ets2 this uh, distributional question the social question was really recognized up front and that's why uh, a social climate fund has also been uh, created in response to that and Normally, you could see this as a form of fiscal policy, which normally is the domain of member states. Uh, but it is quite important, I think, that the EU now also has an instrument to compensate at least some households with, because otherwise it is always the EU level policy that create the costs, which sometimes are quite visible, and the member states compensating, and that can also create, yeah, some resentment or at least the wrong perception that it's just Brussels loading costs onto households. Thank you, Milan. Uh, thanks a lot for sharing your insights. Change in the UETS open up new challenges and fascinating discussions ahead of us, like I did last year, but let's catch up again when we see how this actually develops. It's been a delight speaking and discussing with you today. Oh, it was uh, good to join you. So. Uh... Uh, let's see how it develops. Thanks everyone for listening to Spot on Climate. Stay tuned.